Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I am the lead pastor. It's getting crowded in here. This is exciting. Like earlier today, I was talking to my buddy, and he's like, you know, last week, 1030 got, it's kind of busy. People were having a hard time finding a seat. Do you want me next week to be like an usher? And I go, oh, gosh, that word, usher. I was like, why don't we call it like a maitre d'? Can you help people just seat them? Like a DHC maitre d', that's a little more our style. And he's like, I can do that. Great, perfect. I said, and light touch, too. Don't force anybody to move. Just say, hey, there's a seat over there. Anyway, Welcome. Appreciate you guys did come out to DHC. We know there's a lot you could do on a Sunday. We appreciate you coming here, giving us an hour of your time. That means a lot to us. But we are in week two of this series that we're calling Imagine. And if it is your first time here, let me briefly kind of catch up to speed as to the conversation that we're having. So last week, I asked a question. I said, have you ever met someone that has really big faith? And when I say really big faith, I don't mean that they've just been a lifelong Christian. I don't mean that they just know a lot about theology or they can quote the Bible chapter and verse, all that. It's all great. I don't mean that. I mean, have you ever met someone that no matter what they're going through in life, lost a job, bad health diagnosis, whatever the case may be, whatever they are currently going through, they're just, they're okay. They're at peace. And you look at their situation, and you kind of, you know, you're like, well, you should be a little bit more concerned. But they say, well, John, I'm not, because God's in control. I just believe that, I understand that, you know, life is a little uncertain right now, but I believe that he knows what I'm going through, that he has a plan for my life. So, no, I'm, I'm just not concerned at all. And I think sometimes, if we're being honest, sometimes when we meet these people that have this really big faith, we almost, there's a little bit of judgment in a way. We're kind of like, really? I'm surprised that you have such blind faith. But I firmly feel that most of us want that faith. Most of us, at the end of the day, we want to know with absolute 100% certainty that God exists, don't we? That he knows our name that he is aware of everything that we're going through, that he is in control of it, and that he has a plan for our life. And this whole series is about our faith, our faith journey, where it's been, where it is, where we'd like to see it go. And we've been couching this conversation by taking a look and spotlighting these various methods that God uses to grow our faith. When I've spoken to you guys and I've spoken to other people about their faith journeys, one thing that I've seen over and over and over again is this pattern that begins to emerge. And it sure enough seems like God in every single one of our lives begins to use particular methods and particular tactics to grow our faith. And so every single week, we've been spotlighting one of these tactics. And I believe this is important because if we can begin to see how God is active in our life, if we, if we can begin to see his blueprints for the way that he's been working behind the scenes to get us to where we are, I think we can use it as a roadmap. And I think we can begin to actually partner with him and position ourselves in places and locations with people and environments that we know historically he's acted in. And so last week, we kicked off by by talking about this first method that I believe he's heavily involved with, and I'll call it practical, biblical teaching. And when I've spoken to people about their faith story, one of the things that I hear most frequently is that someone finally realized that you could apply the teachings of Jesus to your life. And when you do that, things change. And so last week, real briefly, we took a look at the life of Jesus, and we saw that when he taught, he taught to application. 
Then in the Sermon on the Mount, he spoke to a group of followers, and he said, look, ladies, gentlemen, it's not enough that you just come and listen to me speak, right? For us, it's not enough that you just come to church. It's not enough that you just read the Bible. It's not even enough that you just believe the words that I'm saying. This is Jesus. You need to actually do something with it. You need to do something with with what you've heard. And if you want to see your faith grow, he was challenging them. If you want to see God work in your life in a way that you never thought possible, you actually need to practically apply the teachings of the Scripture. So this week, as we kind of kick off this next uh, uh, method that he uses, I want to introduce it by way of an exercise. Right? We've never done this here at DHC. I want to I have you guys do an exercise. Now, don't do a thing until I've given you all the directions, okay? Because I know you, you're going to you move quickly ahead. Don't do a thing. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you. Now, hopefully, this is a complete stranger. I want you to turn to the person next to you. And I want you to hold their hand. And I want, I'm kidding, don't do that. <laughs> I told my wife I was going to do that. She goes, what if they start doing it? Trust me, they're not, okay? Ain't nobody going to grab somebody else's hand. It, isn't it like whenever you hear someone like it, they're going to do an exercise, you're, you're just like, this is going to be awful, all right? This is a nightmare. I was at this conference one time. And the guy on stage was like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to break out and find someone in the room you don't know. And I want you to pray with that person. I go, I'm out. I can't do that. All right, I know this is my job, but that's not something that I can handle. No, here's what I want you to do. Think of a person, think of a person that God used to make your faith stronger. Just take a couple of seconds and, and, and try to go back into the archives, dust off the cobwebs, and see if you can think of a face or a name, a person, perhaps a group of people that God used in your life to grow your faith. And this might be easy for some of you. This might be more difficult for others of you. Some of you might not even have a faith right now, and so you could just kind of watch what we're talking about here. But can you begin to think back about that one person or that group of people that perhaps was instrumental in starting your faith journey or was instrumental in growing your faith or, or, or just building your faith? Maybe it's multiple people. Maybe it's multiple people, because what I've seen is that throughout our lives, God uses multiple people at different times, in different seasons, in different chapters that just come into our life at just the right time to give us exactly what we need. See if you can just pick one name out, if you would. Keep it in your mind. The reason I want you to do this is because today I want to talk to you about how God harnesses the power of relationships. That whenever I hear someone's story, what I hear time and time again is how God harnessed the power of relationships to grow their faith. The people around us, the people in our lives, what you'll see time and time again is that God seemingly orchestrated these chance meetings, these friends, these coworkers, these students, these friendships, these people that just came into our life at just the right time to grow our faith. So can you, can you think of a person? For me, I was sort of doing this this weekend. There was just so many names that were coming into my mind. But one of them was my grandfather. My grandfather was a pastor for 55 years, small um, church in New Jersey. I grew up going to this church, not much larger than DHC, quite frankly. And I was thinking about him. And really, I could say that he was instrumental in, in creating my spiritual foundation. I really know what I know today because of him. And it was a great church. And And the thing that I never noticed at the time, because you don't notice these things at the time, but 
because it was a small church. There were no programs. There was no midweek Bible study. There were no small groups. There was no school attached to it. We just came together on a Sunday and we learned. And then when the doors were closed, you had to go out into the real world and live out your faith. And I was forced to take my faith back to my secular school. I was forced to take my faith back to my town, back to my friend group where I knew very few Christians. And it forced me to practically apply my faith. And I think it got me to where I am today. I was thinking about my parents, okay? If you're a parent in the room, okay, if you have children, understand, your kids are watching you. Your kids are watching to see what your relationship with your God looks like. They're learning about Jesus. They're learning about God through you. And I could say that I learned so much about God, so much about Jesus because of my parents. They showed me how to apply your faith in the real world. And I watched their own faith journey, even to this day, as now as they have now gotten involved in ministry themselves. Now, there's one other person. And what's interesting about this last person is that we don't really know each other. We've met a couple of times. I know him well. He might be able to pick me out of a lineup. He doesn't know my name. But the reason I put him up here is because there are going to be people in your life that simply by watching how they live, you will benefit that your spirituality in your life will grow just by simply watching someone else. Maybe it's their marriage. Maybe it's how they treat their kids. But for me, it's a man named Reggie Joyner. Now, he would probably die if he knew his name was up here because he he knows Adam quite well, our volunteer coordinator, but not me at all. But this man, if you don't know his name, Reggie Joyner, alongside Andy Stanley, started North Point Community Church. It's the nation's, uh, it's the second largest church in the country. And it's an organization that set out and they really pioneered this idea of creating churches where folks who have really no relationship with God would want to go to. He's the guy who in two weeks, when, I, when we do our baby dedication, Reggie Joyner is the man who created the marble thing, which you're going to see, which is, an, which is an amazing thing to look at. And I hope you come back to see that. But the reason this man impacted my life is because I have never witnessed someone who approached Christian communication the way that he has. Now, he was a pastor, but he's more of a teacher now. And I have seen with my own eyes, watching this man at conferences, spend countless hours behind the scenes, burning the midnight oil, workshopping one phrase, just one phrase that he would throw up onto his screen. And what that showed me is that when you are teaching the gospel, when you are teaching folks the truth of Jesus Christ, when you're teaching about the scripture, sometimes it is just as important how you say something than it is what you are saying. So for me, these three people had a massive, massive impact in my faith journey. I don't know what that person is in your life, but when you think of that faith journey, other people begin to pop into your mind. See, I've never heard someone tell me their faith story where they say, well, you know, I discovered God on my own and became everything I needed to be in a vacuum. She's never heard. One day I just, you know, I was in a hotel room and found a Bible, read the whole thing, became a Christian, you know, baptized myself in the bathtub. And, you know, here I am fully sanctified all by myself. It's amazing. If you think that's your story, you just don't know your story, okay? Because God always uses, always uses other people to grow our faith. If you're not convinced of that yet, I, want to, I just want to show you real evidence that this is, in fact, a reality. In this church, we have real-life evidence. So whenever we do a baptism, 
we always have our candidates write their testimony. And we say, hey, when you're writing this, just if you would, walk us through who you used to be. Tell us about life. Tell us about when you finally met Jesus. What, what, what happened there? What are you like now that you've given your life over to the Lord? And, and what are your sort of future hopes and dreams now that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? I, I went into our archives and I read all of these testimonies because I wanted to see if this principle, this idea that God uses other people, I wanted to see if it would present itself in these testimonies unprompted. And so I looked and sure enough, Almost every single testimony included some person that was instrumental in helping this person come to the Lord. And I pulled just a couple of sound bites for you to see. You got to see this. This person said, I found DHC through my close friends, Lee and Victoria. Someone else said, my friend Cody invited me to DHC. I said I would go. I've been coming ever since. Here's another one. Marlo. Marlowe invited me to DHC in 2015. My first stop was the boat parade, and I met a whole bunch of people and said to myself, this is a church, okay? <laughs> Standard reaction when you meet DHC people. Outside, you're just kind of like, you guys are Christians? Yeah, you can be Christian and be normal. Possible, all right? This is, okay? You, I know you haven't seen a lot of that in your life, but it is possible, and they just all seem to come to this church, which is great. Here's another one. A few of my softball teammates were believers and encouraged me to go to their church. I mean, imagine it for a moment. This, this girl is writing her testimony about some people many, many years ago in a different state who happened to write, who happened to invite them to their church and the impact that's had on her life. Imagine that. And because I write these keynotes, I figured I would include one that has my name in it. So, you know, whatever. Here it is, John. John asked me if I would come to see him speak at church. My answer was always the same. Apparently I'm doing it a lot, but it's always the same. I just don't believe in a one and only God. And church, yeah, that's not for me, but thank you, all right? Well, joke's on her. She now believes and got baptized, so, okay? Just, uh, got her, all right? She's got to needle a little bit. Don't get here. here. Here's the point of all this. I say all of this to prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that God uses human relationships to grow our faith. He does. And, and these people who have written their testimonies, and even you yourselves, as you're thinking back on, you may not have seen it at the time, the impact that these people were having in your life. But now, as you're actually thinking about it, you're going, my gosh, it's like God orchestrated all of this just for me. So, so you begin to see the impact that relationships can have. It's a, a massive, massive impact on our life. And if that's the case, there's a flip side to this principle that I think it's important that we just spend a little bit of time on. And it's an interesting question, and I think the, the answer is equally as interesting. And it's this. So was there ever someone who undermined your faith? Did you ever find yourself associating with someone or associating with a group of people that actually caused you to believe less, that actually caused you to attend church less frequently, fewer times? Did, did, was there presence in your life did it actually cause you to lower your standards, to sort of jeopardize your morality? Because isn't it true that some of the biggest mistakes in your life, some of the biggest regrets in your life, isn't it true that those things, they didn't happen in isolation? It happened with friends. That some of your worst habits, some of those nights that you wish never happened, it happened with friends. 
You see, our relationships are a powerful force in our life, and we need to be careful with them. Solomon, who Scripture says is the wisest man that ever lived, said this about our relationships. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. We landed on this text back in November for an extended period of time, so I just want to touch on it briefly. But what he's saying here is that your friends, trust me, he says, your friends will have an impact on your life and on your spirituality. That there is no relationship that we're in right now that is neutral. Not a single relationship. You might have a friend who's boring. We all do, okay? You might have a friend who is indecisive, but let me tell you something. That is not a neutral relationship. That person is still impacting your life. That person still has the potential to either draw you away from God or push you towards God. When you leave your house every single day, you are surrounded by people that have the potential to draw you near to God or to push you further away. And we live in America in 2020. Let me tell you something. Culture is not trying to push you closer to Jesus Christ. So you need to be aware of that. Because what Solomon is saying here is that when you surround yourselves with wise people, as he calls it, God will use those people for your benefit to grow your faith and to bring you nearer to him. Paul, who is a New Testament author, he takes a crack at this. And he says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. He's saying, your friends, got to watch them, because your friends have the potential have a negative impact on your life, on your character, on your spirituality. Now, these are just two examples. There are myriad examples found in the scriptures of, of this principle. But what God is trying to get us to understand is that our relationships, every single one of them, has a spiritual nature to it, a spiritual component. And so we see, according to the scriptures, that these relationships can be used for good. We also see that they can be used for, for bad. And we know, according to the principle, that God is desirous of using these relationships to grow our faith. So it begs the question, what do we do? I mean, if this is true, what, what, what do we do? Because when you're looking back at all these people that we've spoken about, a lot of those, God kind of orchestrated that. So what do, what do we do? How do we begin to partner with God so that we can strategically position ourselves in a place that maybe, just maybe, he will grow one of these relationships in our lives, one of these faith-growing, providential relationships? Well, here at this church, we have believed in this principle for a long time. And so what we've done is we've created a couple of strategic environments where we think God historically has proven to be Active. Now, we can't force his hand in creating these relationships, but I, I think we can partner with him and we can make ourselves available to put ourselves in environments where we know he wants to work, where we know he wants to create these relationships in our lives. One of these environments that I've seen be used by God time and time and time again is DHC nights. If you've not been to a DHC nights yet, you need to come. It is the second Thursday of every month. It's a lot of fun. Let me just explain to you what this is. Here it is. We just go to a local restaurant, all right? We go to a place where there's high top tables where we can stand around, have some fun. You go, there's, there's listen, if you're looking to meet friends, if you're brand new to this area, you want to make connections, if you're looking to strategically place yourself 
in an environment where God might create a relationship, this is it. Come, you grab a, grab a cocktail. That's not your thing. Get a nice tea. Get a seltzer. It's always happy hour prices, so it's affordable. But this is an amazing way to meet people and surround yourselves with like-minded people. I, and if you hear this and you go, well, I'd like to do that, but I'm a little shy. Many of us are shy. I get that. We know you are. So we have strategically created a team that comes to DHC Nights whose spiritual gift is mingling. It's what they do best, all right? You come, this is, okay, you come, let me tell you something. If you haven't met Angel yet, Miss Pompano Beach, you're going to meet Angel. By the end of the night, she is everybody's best friend. You just show up, she'll take it from there. Not a problem, okay? But I can't begin to tell you how many life-changing relationships started at a local restaurant because of DHC nights. Women in the room. If you are looking to grow your faith and plug yourself into an environment, like we talked about, join the women's group. Isn't this a nice picture? Gosh, look at the clarity. Such nice-looking people. But these are a great, they're starting January 28th, I think it was. They're doing a thing called Breathe. But these women come together to lean on each other, to encourage one another, to sort of do life together. We launched this last year. I went to a couple of the girls, and I said, hey, just be honest with me. How was it? Just want to, you know, quality control, check these things. How was it? And they go, well, you know, small group's not really my thing, if I'm being honest. It's not really my thing. It's a little out of my comfort zone. But I'm glad I went. It was really good. You know, I was struggling with something, and it was, it was very helpful to see that I'm not alone in this, that there are other people going through what I'm going through, and I am better off for having gone to this women's group. If you're a guy in the room and you want to experience something like this, I would challenge you to get into our men's group. Notice there's no picture. <laughs> Unlike the women's picture, the guys wasn't what I would say helping the cause, all right? It was like the bar scene from Star Wars. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, look, look, it's their guys. They don't take pictures. If Adam Duckworth were there, there'd be plenty of pictures, but there wasn't, okay? But here's why this is great. Scott Sonnenberg, the man who runs this men's group, he meets with every person who signs up, grabs coffee, has a, has a phone conversation, finds out what's going on in your life. What, what are you looking to get out of this journey? And he just custom tailors your approach. It's phenomenal. And if you want to see stories of life change, this is the group. And for me, perhaps the greatest opportunity to partner with God, to put yourself in a place where he can begin to structure these relationships around you is if you begin volunteering. Here's a picture of our volunteer Christmas party. All right, I'll just tell you this. We had way too much fun at this party, all right? Some people more than others. This was a great party. These are a one. And when I look at this picture, more than half of these folks are pretty much brand new to this church. Less than a year, maybe a year and a half. And this group is now a family. And every single week, we pull from this big group, one team. Here's a picture of them in their morning huddle. They come on a Sunday, they come early, and they prepare to serve you. And you may have seen that we seem to have a lot of volunteers in this church, particularly for the number of people that come. And you may have noticed, particularly if you are a volunteer, that it seems like we have a lot of people doing the same jobs. Like we got like five people at the coffee stable. We got like, you know, six people at the top of the escalator. That's not a mistake. That's on purpose. Because we believe that if we can strategically partner people up to serve together, they will begin to learn about each other. They'll begin to do life with each other. And maybe, just maybe, God will create a growing relationship 
because of this opportunity to serve each other. Now, you hear me just say these couple of things. And you might think, you know, he's right. He's right. I got to, you know what? I'm not really doing anything on Thursdays. I could, you know, I could definitely go for a cocktail. I, I, I got to go to DH. I got to do that. Or you know what? I, I got to... I really got to get into that men's group or, you know what, it's just like I, I, volunteering, I should do that. I, I really, I got to do, do that. Let me just stop you real quick and put a spotlight on your thought patterns. Here, here's my challenge. Don't live in a world that got to do. If you were here last week, we talked about this. Jesus is saying, look, listen, intentions are great, but until you are actually doing that thing that you know you should be doing, you haven't really done anything. So it's a new year. It's a new decade. If it's on your heart, if this is something you've got to do, just do it. I would challenge you. Just do it. Sign up. We'll get in contact with you. Whatever it might be, we're there. We will plug you into it because you never know if one of these opportunities is the very thing that God is waiting for you to do so that he can just explode your faith. So this is all about how others can begin to grow our faith. But what about us doing the opposite? See, are we willing to be used by God to help someone else grow? I mean, are we willing to put ourselves out there to say to God, you know what, God, here I am, use me? Because if the principle is true that God uses other people to grow us, then at some point in your life, God's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, all right, it's go time. I need you now to help someone else. So there is a very short account in the New Testament, uh, a story about Philip, who was one of the 12 disciples. And in this account, what you're going to see is a little bit of behind the scenes, but you're going to see how God has tapped Philip to begin using him to grow someone else's faith. One of these chance meetings, one of these providential relationships. And I think his story really looks like a lot of our story as well. So in Acts, it starts is like this. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, get ready and go south to the road that leads down to Gaza from Jerusalem, the desert road. So this angel just appears out of nowhere and gives him instructions that here's what I need you to do. I need you to go south, get on this road, just, just, just do this for me. Would you just do this? Now, have you ever in your own life just gotten that feeling that you need to do something and you can't really put your finger on it exactly, but like, have you ever just felt like, you know, it's the weirdest thing, but I feel like I need to call my friend Kevin. Like, I, like we haven't spoken in a while and like, I don't know what this is, but like, there's just something, like, I just feel like this tug inside of me that I just need to call and just kind of reach out to my buddy Kevin and just kind of see what's, I, I don't know, it's just this weird. Or maybe it's like, you know, this whole week, it's the strangest thing, but like my aunt has been on my mind a lot. I don't, I don't know what that's about. I just, I, maybe I should go visit her. I don't really do that. I haven't done that in a while. I, I, like whatever it is, it's hard to exactly put your finger on it, but you know inside of you, there's this tug that you need to do something. That's Philip. So Philip answered and he said, so he got ready and he went. And he went on the road and he saw a man from Ethiopia, a eunuch. Now, if you don't know what a eunuch is, count yourself lucky, all right? But you can Google it later, all right? And don't look at the images, okay? I did that. Your life will never be the same. Okay, so don't do that, okay? But he was an important officer in the service of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He was responsible for taking care of all of her money. 
continues. Now, as he was on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit said to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So think about this eunuch for a second. This guy is minding his own business, riding along in his chariot. He's in the desert, enjoying the, you know, the dry air, right? Just completely unaware, completely unaware that behind the scenes, the God of the universe has him in his sight. Mind in his business, completely unaware that the God of the universe is currently orchestrating one of these chance meetings. Story continues. So when Philip ran toward the chariot, he heard the man reading from Isaiah the prophet. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? So he comes next to this chariot, and and he hears this guy reading. I I have to imagine he's reading out loud. And we don't know because this is all we see here, but something had to have been off. Something just must have been a little off. I don't know if it was the way the guy was reading. I don't know if it was body language. But something was telling Philip that there's something not right here, that there's a need that, that needs to be addressed right here. And so he asks what amounts to being a really awkward question. He goes, do you, uh, you understand what you're reading? Think about the reaction he could have received from this eunuch. I mean, imagine this guy goes, do I understand? What do you think, I can't read? Like, get out. Like, get out. You don't think I understand what I'm reading? Look at me. I, I, I've got this gorgeous chariot. I run an entire kingdom's finances. You don't think I know what I'm doing? You don't think I could? Do I understand? By the way, who are you? Where did you come from? Right? Why are you, I mean, why are you standing next to my chariot? But listen to the response. It says, he answered, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And this response allowed Philip to introduce this man to Jesus Christ. This man believed. This man was was so on fire that he stopped the chariot and he goes, I want to be baptized right now. There's a puddle. Let's go do it there. It's It's an amazing story, but this is what God is doing behind the scenes with these providential relationships. And here's why I show you this. You don't know how many people are on your path right now. How many people are in your job? How many people are in your school? How many people are at your gym? How many friends are in your circle right now that are struggling and waiting for anyone, someone, you, to just ask, how you doing? You okay? Do you understand? How's life? See, if I were to ask you if you're praying for anybody right now, I bet the vast majority of you would say, yeah, you know what? I have actually been praying for my brother or my, my, my friend. Every single one of us has someone that we're concerned about. Every single one of us has that person that, like, we're just, we're a little concerned about their marriage. We're just a little concerned about their children. We're just... I'm just a little concerned about the way that they just spend their, their money. I'm a little concerned. It just seems like they're, they're drinking a little bit more than they used to. I just, I'm just concerned with the overall direction of their life, and I've just been praying a lot about that person. But you have never intentionally come crashing into their life. You have never intentionally ran up alongside their chariot and said, hey, I want to talk to you. 
I just want to have a conversation about what, I, what I'm seeing. Instead, we talk ourselves out of it. And we say, you know what? It's none of my business. It's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's none of my business. I know, I know I've been praying. I know I've been concerned. But like, it's none of my business. Hey, you know what? It's their life. It's, 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 it's I mean, it's, it's their family. It's their money. I mean, if they want to, if they want to frivolously spend their money, it's, 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 I don't want to overstep my bounds. I, I, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to mind my own business. Let me just tell you something. Every single faith-growing relationship, by and large, every single one of these providential relationships, by and large, begins with an awkward conversation, begins with an awkward moment, begins with one person stepping up and saying, I got to bring this truth to the surface. We just need to talk about this thing in an effort to get you back on track and get you closer to God. And I'll just tell you this. You may not have an angel in your life right now telling you that you need to go somewhere specific, but I firmly believe with all my heart that there was someone in your life on your path that has been placed there on purpose, that you were in their life for a purpose. You have the opportunity to change their life, to impact their life, to bring their faith to the next level. So what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at Downtown Harbor Church, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So in an effort to sort of capitalize on the new year, new decade, new you, maybe for this year, maybe for some of you, you need to be more intentional. That when it comes to your life, you need to begin putting yourself out there more. You need to begin taking risks. Maybe you need to sort of get involved in one of these structured environments that I, that I talked about because God might be wanting to use one of these environments to change your life forever. Now, some of you are already involved in these kinds of things and you're involved in these kinds of relationships. For you, maybe for you, you need to be more available. Maybe for you, you need to pick up the phone and call that person that's been on your heart for so long. Maybe for you, it's just you got to invite that coworker out to lunch. Maybe if you're a student, it's about sitting with that new kid at school who doesn't seem to have any friends yet. I don't, I don't know what that looks like to you, but here's, here's what you need to know. Not every conversation that we're going to have in this life needs to be a come-to-Jesus conversation, because I know a lot of you are thinking that. That's not what I mean. Sometimes it's as simple as going to lunch, going to the beach, having fun. Doing, not every conversation we have to have has to be this come to Jesus conversation. But I will tell you this, I firmly believe that every conversation we have can lead someone to Jesus. You never know what your presence in that person's life is doing currently. You look at these baptism testimonies, you think Lean Victoria, you think Cody, you think Marlo, you think these people had any clue that one day a simple invite would land them in a baptism testimony speaking about life change. You never know what a simple, hey, how you doing, is going to do in someone's life. That person that you've been thinking about, that I challenge you to remember, what would it look like this week even? What would it look like? if you were to acknowledge and encourage them. Imagine how blessed they would feel if you picked up the phone 
if you texted them, if you emailed them and said, hey, this is, this may sound like it's coming out of left field, but I just want to let you know that you impacted my life tremendously. That when you invited me to church, that when you invited me to lunch, that when you were just, you probably never even saw this, but just being in your presence changed me. What you did in my life brought me nearer to God. What you did in my life allowed me to have a relationship with God and Jesus for the first time in my life. Hey, you know when I was going down that dark path, I just want to thank you that, that you had that uncomfortable conversation, that you called me out on what I was doing because, because of that awkward moment, I'm alive today. Because of that awkward conversation, I found Jesus. I am better off because of it. So thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for allowing God to use you to impact my life. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be a wonderful way for us to tie a bow on this principle that God uses relationships to grow our faith? I believe that there are people right now in our path that are being impacted by us. And I just think we need to avail ourselves to God and say, God, here I am. Use me in whatever capacity that looks like. Because we have the potential for changing the direction of someone else's life for good. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for the opportunity that we could all come here today. I want to thank you, Lord, that as we begin to look over our life and, and begin to think about the, the, the people in our life, Lord, I want to thank you that you really have behind the scenes been orchestrating these relationships for our good. That just when we need it, Lord, you brought in just the right person for just the right job to get us to the next chapter, to grow our faith and to bring us closer and closer to Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to do that in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would embolden us to take our own relationships more seriously, to begin to think about the impact that we are having on people, friends, family, our own children, that every time we leave our house, that we have the potential to either draw someone nearer to you or pull them further away. God, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would always draw people to you, that we would live our lives in a way that people would see Jesus through us and they would be better off because of it. Thank you for friends. Thank you for family. Thank you for those that you have placed in our lives. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name.